Hey, Shelvies. Buckle up for a new episode of the Shelved Books Podcast, where every writer has a story that may never see the light of day. This is the podcast where authors share the stories that they shelved, the manuscripts that they may never publish. Then they explore the reason why they shelved this story. Welcome to the Shelved Books Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Shelf Books Podcast. It's a Thursday. Thank you for joining us. We are just a day away from the weekend. We can smell Friday from where <laughs> we are today. So thank you so much for joining us. And we have another fantastic guest with us today. We are so excited. When she said yes, I was floored. Um, <laughs> Not only, and, and she doesn't know this, but she is one of my writing heroes, actually. And I have, I have actually discovered her through her Insider book series, Inside Out and Inside Outside In, um, were such formative books for me when I was a fledgling writer. When I read those books, I was like, oh my gosh, I wish I could write this way. I wish they—they they are such beautiful, beautiful books, and. Just to let you know, it's like the story, everything about that story, it's like the, the, the internal premise is that everything is recycled. Everything that they are doing and, and they live in a completely contained environment. Go read those books. It's beyond anything you will encounter that is out there right now in the market. And even now, it's so relevant and so beautifully written. And the thing is, she actually switched careers from being a meteorologist to a novelist. But being a meteorolo meteorologist still shows in a lot of her work, which is fantastic. She actually wrote the New York Times bestselling series, The Study Series, which is about a young woman who is a poison paster. And there's about like six books in that series, and they are also wonderfully wonderfully written and she was able to play with the weather while writing her award-winning glass series about a glass magician who can capture magic inside her glass creations so again after you after you listen to this podcast and watch it on youtube please go and get any one of these books because she is a fantastic writer one of my writing heroes. Please welcome Maria V. Snyder to the podcast. Wow. That's a great introduction. I need to hire you to introduce me <laughs> to my events from like here on out. Yes. You know, like, uh, you know, those like in, in medieval times or like in the royal courts, there's like this who introduces everyone that comes in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, the I town can, crier. Yes. yes. I, I can. As long as I have a bejeweled scepter, I'm fine. I'm oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, like, Anything you want. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and so, you know, Maria, besides me stalking you on Facebook, really, um, what, is, what other things you can, can you share with us um, and, and our listeners about yourself? Okay. Well, you mentioned the meteorology and, um, I learned early on in, in college, I went to Penn State uh, University and they have a really good um, meteorological program, like one of the top undergraduate programs in the United States. And um, when I was there, they had this campus weather Ooh. and we practiced our forecasting skills on this campus weather where we would call into local radio stations and like do the weather for different areas in Pennsylvania. And I had the like 5 a.m. shift. No. It was brutal, just brutal to get there at 5 a.m. In fact, I have a short story that's set. And the main character goes, is in the morning, 5 a.m., going to her campus weather shift. So I did use that as well in my writing. And uh, the thing is, was I was horrible. I was horrible at forecasting the weather. I'd be like, you know, it's going to rain. And then the sun would shine all day. <laughs> And then I would be like, yeah, it's going to be cold. And everybody's like, why? You said it was going to be cold. And it's like 70 degrees. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just, I was not good. So, so in order to not, to not um, do this to people for a living, I went into environmental meteorology. 
which was more of the air pollution studies oh, and, and dispersion modeling, which is like there's a stack and it's emitting pollutants. And what's the person three doors down or three blocks down the street breathing in, oh, wow. which is not very fun to work with, but yeah. it was well within my skill set. So and that's what you mentioned inside out. Well, there's like it's since it's a contained world, I had to use a lot of my environmental training. Like, you know, there's a whole air handling system in there. There's water re cleaning, recycling. Uh, there's, there's, um, there, yeah, there's a water treatment plant. You know, I had to figure out what do they do with the dead bodies because yeah. they're contained. Yeah. And, you know, what, what, what animal would be the most useful? If you can only bring one animal with you, like, what would it be? So it was an interesting uh, researching doing that, which I really do enjoy researching. And it was nice using that environmental background oh. and finding out like something like paper is such a big, to produce paper is uses yeah. so many natural resources. It's amazing. I did not know that. Oh. And as a writer who loves books, it yeah. was like, oh my goodness. Oh. So, um, so that was an interesting uh, <laughs> process. So that's why in my world, they use glass because it awesome. can be recycled forever. Mm -hmm. And they use um, like whiteboards. Nice. Yeah, no paper. Yeah. Pardon me. Yeah. And 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 the thing and when when the one of the things that really captured me when I was reading Inside Out was like with Trella, like because she would use the duct the duct system to mm -hmm. move around and the 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 claustrophobia because they're already in a contained environment and then she passes through these ductworks which is another contained environment <laughs> <laughs> i'm like i it, it, i'm not a claustrophobic person but reading that i was like oh, oh, oh. <laughs> air 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 i need air i just felt yes. like I air the entire time but that's what made it so impactful i think because mm. it really shows you that um if you were in that kind of environment and how would you deal with it uh, yeah. and 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 the issues that come with it and and it's just you know okay i'm not gonna gush this entire episode now what we are here for but seriously it might come out periodically but so these works they have been published so I, we want to hear about like if you have any shelved books that you would like to share with us today? Um, I do, but I just want to go real quick back to that duct thing and going through. Actually, yeah. that's based on almost um, a real story, like not a real story, but when I was little, my dad, my dad was a heating and air conditioning man, and he would go in and fix air conditioning heating units for um, homes and commercials, businesses. Yeah. And he used to take me along on the weekends. And sometimes when we were doing a commercial job where the ducts were pretty big and he couldn't reach something, he would send me up into the dark. Oh my God. And, oh, and wow. I, I, you know, my small hands would be able to get to like, you know, if he dropped a screw, he'd be like, oh, you know, and I would go in and help him out. So that that's some part played into that. That and um and I'm glad that you got the whole claustrophobic thing. Yeah, it it yeah. I, just remembering it gives me goosebumps because mm. I'm not I'm not bad with small spaces, but it's the thing is because you've already in that you're already in the enclosed environment and then right. it goes into even a smaller and space. tighter spaces yes, so yes. I, I, i'm like so the, the the breathing and the whole oh my god okay. so, yeah so, so. so I, I i and i just want to mention it's like having that because we had this conversation before with another guest is that living your life having a lived life is so much more important than just having like a, a, a like a degree or whatever it's like it informs the the writing like you just shared earlier yes. where yeah. you know you were able to describe being in a duct because mm -hmm. you were in a duct <laughs> <laughs> you know what you know yes <laughs> yeah and, re and research research is important too like i yeah. like to do a lot of hands-on research yeah. for my book if i can yeah yes. yeah and it and it and it shows and it shows, but not in a not in a like info dump kind of way. It's like mm -hmm. it, it's such a smartly written. Your your books are so smartly written that you actually learn. It's like you learn something along the way as a reader, and it's so 
you know, so fascinating. And I find mm-hmm. myself going, ah, oh, I didn't know that, you know? Mm-hmm. So without like it that. being like, oh, info, 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 you know, you right. learn it as the characters are learning it as well or as the characters are experiencing it. So like, do you have, like any, are, are any of these books, were they ever shelved or were they like, did they get well, Inside Out actually was shelved a bit for a couple years, actually. Mm-hmm. I had been working on it like a, a couple chapters in, oh, maybe like seven chapters in when I got the call about my first book, Poison Study. Mm-hmm. So I had written Poison Study and, and was sending that, submitting that to agents and editors. And then I wrote a, a middle grade reader it's called Storm Watcher, which really uses all my meteorological background. And that was making the rounds. And I was like, they always say, keep writing, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was writing on this book inside, inside out. No, I think I called it inside to start with. And, um, and it was interesting because it came to me in a dream, which oh, doesn't, wow. hasn't happened before. Mm-hmm. So, so I started working on it and then I got the call that poison study sold and they wanted a second book, you know, the, the sequel, it was kind of funny. Cause they're like, you have a second book. Right. And I was like, and so and then it was like well when do you need it by because that's kind of critical and they said well it won't be for you know because publishing they buy the book and it takes a year to to publish it and stuff like that so I had a good 18 months to write the next book which was like phew (laughs) Uh, so of course I immediately abandoned inside uh because that you know, what it didn't get sold. And it was funny because this was back in like 2003 and I was writing oh, a YA dystopian wow. well before uh, Hunger Games mm-hmm. came out or even the YA uh, explosion, mm-hmm. uh, really. And um, I was thinking of making, you know, for an adult book, but I do definitely have, um, Poison Study came out first, a mm-hmm. fantasy, and it was an adult fantasy, but I had gotten so many YA readers that emailed me so excited about the book I was like wow I think think my voice really lent to that to that age group as well as adults which was really nice to know that you know I kind of spanned a pretty wide range of ages so yeah so Inside Out was abandoned and it was just inside and I was in a um, master's program it's now an MFA program but it was a at the time it was a master's of arts in writing popular fiction which is very rare yes it's Seton Hill Seton Hill University up near Greensburg, Pennsylvania, it's, um, we focus on genre fiction. And I thought, well, that would be perfect. So I I joined the program before I sold my first book because I Mm -hmm. thought, well, help me be a better writer because I wasn't having any luck with Poison Study. I was getting rejections like, you know, every day it seemed. And and, um, so so I went into this program and um, that was when I workshopped, when I workshopped the first chapter of Inside everybody loved it oh. and in my group and then they and then they they didn't like the title so they brainstormed inside out oh. and they thought and I thought oh that's really clever I like that that was before the inside out movie by Disney okay. <laughs> yeah. so now you google inside out and I'm like the eight millionth nine hundred twenty seventh uh link and everything else is all Disney stuff oh no <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I, you know, I, re- I really liked that book so that, you know, I always had a mind to go back to it. And then when the YA stuff was happening and my publisher was like, we're going to start a YA line. Do you have anything? Oh. And I was like, well, I have this story that I started working on. And I sent them like the seven chapters and they're like, oh, great. We want it. And so wow. they bought it with a second book, you know, again, <laughs> I had no idea what the second <laughs> book was going to be about. And, um, but then I finished it. Well, again, I finished it and handed it in right when Hunger Games was hitting. And I didn't really think of my book as dystopian. I just, it was just a society that had developed in this cube. And, and then, oh, and then that Hunger Games hit. And then I was like, get my book out because it was too long. You know, and already people were saying like when it did come out, but it took them like two years, like like to come out with the book. And, oh, I was just so frustrated because um, by that point the, the the trend was dying, and you know, and then they're like, oh, this is just a Hunger Games wannabe. Yeah. 
it was like, well, you know, I started, I wrote it before I even knew about the Hunger Games. Mm -hmm. um, but it, you know, and it didn't sell well. So I'm really surprised that that was your favorite book or that's the book you found <laughs> because like, it just got buried pretty quick. And my, you know, my, a lot of my readers are fantasy readers and they don't always translate to science fiction. Yeah. Not always. No, uh, so I found know, that. For the listeners and viewers of this podcast, yes, the other books are, but you also have to pick up Inside Out. It's <laughs> amazing. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, because, you know, actually, it's like if I can hand it to Netflix right now mm. and have them, because when you read it, you can see, you can see it, you can see the, it's so, it's such a viscerally written book that even, sometimes you forget that they're in an enclosed environment, and then there are things that happen that you're like, yes. oh, they're in an enclosed environment, you know? Yes. So, so like you realize, uh, you there, there's not many places to run, and yeah. there's not many places to hide. Yeah. They, yeah, they they do find little tiny places. Yes, where they're they're out of sight yeah. for a little bit, and that's and that's reason why I picked uh, Trella as my main character. She's like an air scrub. Her mm -hmm. job is to scrub the ducks and make sure they're clean. Because one thing I learned from my father, and all he he could fix anything, mm -hmm. and his the first thing when he he came across something that was broken the first thing he did was clean it hmm. like clean all the contacts clean all the ductwork, clean all the wires off because a lot of times it was broken because like the electricity was getting couldn't get to where it needed to go because gunk dirt was in the way so that's you know that was you know we need it if we're going to have a closed environment we're going to make sure it's clean because mm -hmm. if something breaks like the air system well then that's a lot of trouble yeah and then I thought that would be cool because she knows the duck work, so she could hide and she could get from place to place without mm -hmm. without anyone knowing about it. Yeah. So that was a fun way to to bring that in. Mm -hmm. So cool. Like yeah. So please, if anyone, if a producer from Netflix is listening, <laughs> please read this book because I need to see that. I need not only to read to read it, but I need to see it like mm -hmm. on the screen, it would make such a beautiful series. I honestly, honestly believe even just 10 episodes, it would be, it would be so beautiful. And yeah, yeah. we could do Queen's Gambit, you know, just uh, 10 episodes and we're done. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's, I'm, it, I'm it, all it, for it. So yeah, because, you know, I mean, and so will do you have like, like other shelf books that are that mean maybe you've shelved for one reason or the other well uh the my one book the eyes of tambura was shelved also for a number of years because i had written like three or four chapters of it and i knew my editor when i was working with um harlequin with the poison study books and the glass books they she, for some reason you know she just didn't like this story and I kept, you know, every time she's like, well, what do you have else? I kept like showing it to her. Well, what about this? I love this book. And it'd be like, no, what else do you have? So I have a lot of shelved also ideas because they would ask me like, what would you want to write? And so after the study in glass books came out, I had like four different ideas. And well, one was the eyes of Tambura, which, which I was really hoping they'd pick, which they didn't. And then one was an urban fantasy about a woman that gets struck by lightning. And then again, with the meteorology, um, <laughs> she develops these powers because she gets struck by lightning. Now she can like zap people. Nope. Or, That's know, also, it plays heck with her electronics because now she can't even use a cell phone because she zaps that too. So there's like, <laughs> and then I had another urban fantasy, a young adult about a, a girl that gets, um, she gets hit by a car and saved by these nanites that kind of fix it so it's a little futuristic and then the nanites kind of like make her a little bit more not quite superhero status but to, to the point where she's just a little bit more like a little extra like you know her hearing is just a, better than everybody but it's not like superhero hearing you know 
and and she nice. starts eating it like you know she's on the swim team so it makes her faster oh. and now suddenly she's breaking school records and things like that so i thought that was going to be fun too mm -hmm. and then i gave him like a one page on this this magical healer that can heal with the touch and i was just like yeah yeah whatever just put this one in just for fun <laughs> and, no, I, that's the one they picked. <laughs> I have one page pages on the girl with the nanites, and I have one page on, and they're like, yes, we want three books. Thank you. <laughs> you, know, you know, the number of times this has happened to authors that we have spoken to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's so funny. I know, I heard, I, I, I watched your episode, your yeah. Halloween episode, which was yeah. really he said the same thing or they yeah, said I know. The same thing. it's yeah. amazing I it's, know. Like, it's the one book that you're like Meh. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Look at it. and you're like oh. it's yeah. almost like the less this out a little bit more yeah it's like the less you tell them the more they want you know right. <laughs> right. imagination can kind of fill yeah. in the blanks you know yeah and then there's like there's like this moment of panic like sheer panic where you're like <laughs> I gotta write three books on like yeah. five paragraphs. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, and, and, it, and it's something it's like it's weird because it's something that you were meh about and then but then there were others that you were so passionate about that they really wanted. So now you have to switch that passion over to that something that you were meh about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and that idea about the healer, I was kicking around for a while. So I wasn't too meh. I mean, it, I was kicking around. It was one of the stories I told my daughter at night. Oh, when she couldn't nice. sleep because she didn't want to hear all the other stories because I already told those. She wanted something new. <laughs> I started telling her about this healer and about these giant flowers that like eat people and spit out their bones. And she loved that because, you know, that was really cool. Yeah. And she got to name a few of the characters because I was like, well, there's this boy. And she's like, well, what's his name? And I'm like, well, what do you want it to be? So they ended up being like the first book I dedicated to my daughter because, you know, I started that. But, you know, like I said, I kind of threw it in there just thinking, oh, you know, just for fun, maybe write this story about this healer. But I never thought they were going to do that one. <laughs> but with every book that you, like you start, you said that you had started the other book, you had like seven or eight chapters of it. Like, I guess like you never really waste your time. Like you're, you've written this book and did it ever get, that one got published as well? Uh, yes, well, we... The ins no wait the eyes of Tambiora did get yes. published recently, okay. like within the last five years. Um, okay. That one, I had was shopping around two series, and one was a fantasy series, which is the eyes of Tambiora, set on a desert world where everyone lives in these big underground cities because they can't live on the surface; it's too hot and dry. Okay. So that was one. And then I was shopping around this uh, Navigating the Stars, which was basically terracotta warriors in space. Oh. They have discovered terracotta, the Chinese terracotta warriors that they found in uh, Cheyenne, oh. China. Well, mm -hmm. we were out in space, we find these planets and they find these warriors that have been buried on these planets. And they're like, why? Yes. Yeah. So. Cool. So the main character's parents are like the experts in these warriors. So they go planet to planet to try and solve this mystery. And of course she gets sucked in. So I had those two series that I was kind of um, set, trying to sell. And Australia, I'm pretty popular in Australia. And the Harlequin in Australia said, well, we want both of them. So they bought those series. Nice. So then it was like six books in three years because they wanted to put them out every six oh months. Oh my gosh, that is so hard. Oh my gosh. My hair used to be straight before that. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> How did you do that? How? How did you do that? Well, I was, one thing is my kids were older, so they were in college and, and everything. And um, I just, set up a schedule and I just you know put my head down and, and I did it I didn't watch tv I didn't go to the movies oh, wow. we didn't do too much here at home uh because I was spending all my time writing so it was it was a lot uh to do but it was fun it was fun and so I managed to get both those series out in a pretty short amount of time oh, but were, were there days where you you just didn't want to write or couldn't write or you know? Yeah, there's always days that you have to really kind of 
force yourself. It's sort of like exercising. You know, you mm. don't want to exercise and it's, I got to exercise. And then you, you talk yourself out of it like 10 times and then you talk yourself back into it like 10 times and then you finally get <laughs> and do it. And yeah. it's a slog at first, but then once you get into it and you start doing it and the words start flowing and everything. Mm. And then when you're done, I love being done because it's like, oh. wow, I'm glad I did that because look, I got mm. all this stuff done. And some nights it's like, ah, I got hardly anything done. Yeah. But, you know, at least, you know, it was better to write 600 words versus zero words, you know, yeah. even if it took me four hours to get that 600 words, oh, oh. which Absolutely. happened. <laughs> I think it happens to everybody and it's funny because you're absolutely right once you start writing it's actually fun you know once you get into the groove of it and you're with your characters again and you're in the setting and it, it, it gets to be fun but is there um is there anything that you've learned from like having to stop writing something to go to something else and then picking it back up again like do you find it hard or did you have to start over or did you pick up from where you were oh I always have to read what um comes uh before like if it's been a while since i've been in the story i usually have mm -hmm. to reread mm -hmm. and then i'll do like light edits as i go but yeah i need it takes me a while to get back into it and i i track my word counts every night okay. and so like when i get back to a, a book i haven't been looking at for a while like the word counts are really low but then as i get back into it and i get every you know i'm, I'm working on it every night and then the word counts start going up again. So it's mm -hmm. interesting because I can actually see the times when I take a break that it really does impact the writing. Mm -hmm. And with switching the series, so now the Eyes series is very much a traditional kind of fantasy. Oh. I've written it like third person, past tense, you know, really get the fantasy world is really involved in it and everything. But the Navigating the Stars series is, is science fiction and oh, wow. the character it's in my head so loud. So she was first person present tense because oh, she was like, oh, wow. on my story. And so switching between the two books, I had to be careful <laughs> because I would be writing third person when it should be first and I'd be writing wait, present wait, tense wait. when it should be past tense. And I was just like, it would be oh a lot of tense you, issues. You didn't write the series like one, two, three. You went one, one, two, two, three. Yes. Oh, yes, wow. because the books were coming out one, one a year. Oh. So we had, you know, Navigating the Stars coming out like November of, uh, I forget, was it 2018 or something like that. And then Eyes was coming out June of 2019. Oh. And then Chasing the Shadows, November of 2019. And oh. then The City of Zerdai, you know, it was like, yeah. So they were pretty forth. parallel. They were parallel releases, huh? They were within six months of each other. That would be and in the United States, it was a little different because yeah. uh, uh, I was a, I wasn't able to find publishers for those two series. But since I was writing them for Australia, so I independently published them, and then I was able to like with the eyes, I just held on to them until they were all done, mm. and then I put them out every like four or five months, okay. so that you know, so they all came out. Was it last year? Or the year before, I forget now, <laughs> but they came out pretty close together, which which I think that you know a lot of readers really like that because they don't have to wait a year between books. Yes, really appreciate. Yes, oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. It, and I have a question about that. So like, so Australia had the Australian rights, right? Yes. And then so you retained. So when you publish that, do you have to like re-edit it? Or, or do you take the what has been edited in Australia and just publish it as yeah. as is? Yeah, as is because it's my it's my edits, oh, it's my okay. book, um, okay. and you know they make suggestions on how to improve it, which is mm -hmm. really nice mm -hmm. and everything. But then I do I do the work to mm -hmm. improve it, mm -hmm. so I feel like that's mine, and I can I can publish it. And they have never said to me like, no, you can't do this. Mm -hmm. So. Um, which is nice because I've heard I've heard some stories yeah. where yeah. some people, you know, publishing companies are like, well, we edited this, so you can't use the edited version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You might have suggested it, but you know, I decided yeah. how to do yeah. it. And sometimes the suggestions I make, uh, I know that they'll point out something needs work, and they'll suggest, well, maybe you can do this, and I'll be like, no. 
I understand it needs work, but I'm going to fix it this way. Oh, okay. So I change it to how, you know, for me. And, you know, it's interesting because sometimes one of a line editor will get a little over-enthusiastic and they'll fix sentences. And if I read them, I'll go, wait, no, that's well, wrong. It sounds wrong. I'm like, okay, so the <laughs> sentence was wrong. I agree, but let me fix it. Yes. <laughs> otherwise, it's going to stand out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're your words. Yeah. That's a good lesson to learn because sometimes as a writer and then you defer to the expertise of like line editor proofreader you can get caught up in the oh because they so they changed it so it must be right that they mm -hmm. so and then so it, i guess it's like really that's a good lesson to learn it's like to keep to your style to your editing you know voice because right. it 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 can yeah. very very easily be you can get lost in the suggestions mm -hmm. for others you can you can and you know and especially if you have multiple editors or beta readers mm -hmm. um, then you know you can get really i know a lot of new writers will get like pretty much frozen because mm -hmm. they're getting so much advice from so many different people and so like with the nice thing about the seat hill program is you have a critique group and it's only there's only three of you so you're getting feedback on your thesis novel from two other people okay. who are in the program and then you're getting feedback from your mentor who is a published author nice. and so i mentor students and and you get two mentors in the program so basically you have your two critique partners and your two mentors and i always suggest do not submit your story for the when we get together because it's low residency when we get together, we have morning workshops where we critique things. That's what they did for my inside first chapter. It was a morning workshop. I say, bring something new to those morning workshops, like a short story or another novel. Because again, there's like 10 people and now they're giving you 10 bits of advice yeah. for a book that you've already got four or five people looking at. So true. So yeah, so I mean, I know new writers are always looking for feedback, but it's like, choose wisely. You know, only, only a couple people that you can trust or that you know. Uh, otherwise, yeah. it can get very overwhelming. Mm. Yeah. Well, I have a question about plotting because now I'm I'm a little freaked out about this like one one two two three three. <laughs> that would totally like I don't know. I'm in a panic attack and I didn't have to do any of it. So, like, how do you, how do you like? Are you a plotter or you're a pantser? And how did you do that? And because you had to do something really good on paper to be able to switch back and forth like that. Well. I am definitely a pantser. I know wow. That's oh. <laughs> oh. That makes it even more challenging in my brain. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I, I, I kind of do a little bit. Like, I, I had the idea for the story, like, say, Navigating the Stars. Like, I had an idea that they were going to find these warriors and there was going to be a mystery about it and everything so so I start out with the beginning of the story where they're going to go go to another planet and she's upset because she doesn't want to leave her friends behind a oh. classic you know YA type thing yeah. except for this has a consequence you know when she travels to a new planet there's a time dilation oh. which is a real thing so yeah. she when she arrives at the new planet 50 years have passed on the old planet but oh. for her it's only 90 days yeah. Oh. So she's still a teenager, but her friends are all now in their fifties. Oh. Right? Heartbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. So, but but one of the things I do for each of my novels, I'm going to show you because I have these here sitting here, is I'm very old fashioned. I have a notebook. <laughs> Love it. And, and I put the this is Shadow Study, one of my study books, and then I just write all my notes. It's like a Bible. There's like my timeline. Oh, and nice. There's the seasons and there's the, the um, names and everything. And so when I go to, so I wrote Navigating the Stars and I wrote all the information down in here. Mm -hmm. So when I started Chasing the Shadows, well, of course, I'm going to reread Navigating the Stars, but I'm also going to reread my notes because in here are little snippets of what to do for the next book. Right. So it's not really plotting, but it's just like ideas. Like I even have in here uh, ideas for book two. Mm, got so, it. And then for book two, you start a new new I, I have a new book and book, I, yes yeah. I put this one away and and I, I pick up another one which let's see which one's this one because we're working on it <laughs> well, this one's night study oh so yeah so I have one of these for almost all my books I didn't start doing this until like my third book oh. because when I wrote poison study it was going to be a one one and done book 
So I just have notes like kind of very haphazardly in a in a folder. <laughs> and then I ended up writing nine books in that universe. <laughs> so I kind of get a little bit more organized about it because mm. it was kind of scattered everywhere. Yes, I think you would have be having anxiety issues. <laughs> I'm, I'm even more impressed knowing that you're a pantser and you did that and you were writing one book and then the next and then going back to write the second one and chapeau like bravo yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I do have to write things down and I did I have a, a cheap evil minion mm. uh, they they have uh contacted me about the books and loved the books and knew so many details about the books and was asking me all these really intricate questions that I didn't know I'm like I just picked the name it sounded and then when I was going to write I had three study books out so it was like poison magic fire and then I wrote the glass series which is a spin-off and then I wanted to go back to that world because it's a very popular world and my readers were like more and more and more please can you give us more and I'm like okay I'll, I'll write another three books and um, of course you know you have six books with all these details and it had been how many years and you know mm -hmm. So when they said, can I help you in any way? I was like, yes, yes, you can. Can you make <laughs> like, just basic, basic like Excel spreadsheet of all the different character names and maybe give me some like details about hair color, eye color, like what they're wearing because so I don't have somebody switch eye colors like from book two to book eight. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that for you. And then this magical, spreadsheet arrived with not only Aww. those details but all kinds of other details like I just need to click on the name of the character and this this wonderful page comes wow. up of all of this information I was just like wow this is wonderful that <laughs> is wow we all yes. need that right yes, yes. Yeah. and you know and if you started if I started with the first book and started doing that keeping track of those details I would have had all that, but I was thinking <laughs> one book, and I didn't even know if that book, once it was published, if I'd ever be published again. Because yeah. you always hear stories. You know, oh. if that first book doesn't sell, yeah. and the second book tanks, well, then you're you're done. You, yeah. know, you have to come up with a new author name and start again, which a yeah. lot of authors have done and done successfully. So I had no idea. So that's that's why I wasn't confident enough to keep too many details. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. It, that's a great story <laughs> it's 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 so and, and it's so you know i i think it also calls to that um compulsion of a writer to have many notebooks around <laughs> yes <laughs> because but but there is a, a, it, it seems like a tangent but it's sort of connected is that um speaking of those notebooks actually uh, another author um christine cashore does the same thing where she does um she writes on those notebooks um plans for the next book and things like that but the thing is i think what happened was she left one of those notebooks at a reading one day and it was like I, me just hearing that story i felt like secondhand panic for her because mm -hmm. I'm like, oh my god. So you know, so I guess don't bring those notebooks with you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't I, I I do I'll bring a notebook, but it'll be for an older book just to show sometimes sure, like you yeah. know show and tell. But no, they, they they stay in my office. They they stay here. I mean mm -hmm. I have, you know, there's you know, little spills on them and different things and I also put my research notes inside them uh because for navigating the stars, you know, that was all a lot of science. I mean, I have a science background, but this was astronomy and oh. physics and quantum theory. So amazingly, the science fiction writers of America sponsor this called Launchpad, which is a one week intensive uh, workshop for science fiction writers at oh, the wow. University of Wyoming in their astrophysics department. So Dr. Michael Botherton, who's uh, also a science fiction writer, he teaches this class. Ooh. so that you can get the science right in your science fiction so wow. i mean this was a six-day class from like nine in the morning to like 11 at night i oh. felt like i should have gotten a bachelor's degree after that wow. yes like, you should at least so get a certificate cool. of some kind yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh my God. No, but I did get, I did get, like, I filled out my whole notebook. Well, I went through two pens. That's how much ink, you know, I was writing down. Now, other authors, of course, you know, they were all on their laptops, but I'm kind of old school. Mm -hmm. I, I like to have to write it down yes. and everything. Same. And, uh, I find just writing it, it keeps you, it keeps in your head more when you write something down, yeah. you know? Yeah. Definitely old school of everything goes on paper. You know, mm -hmm. I even have my little um, maps that oh. have, you know, all this, you know, how long does it take to get to point A to point B on a horse, you know, kind of thing. Oh. write it all down. So Love it. You know, if something happens to this. It's, it's got the cat likes to sleep on it. So it's got a little cat. <laughs> As all cats should. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hasn't come by yet. Usually, he's like, who are you talking to? And then you see his black tail go. Aww. Same. Same. <laughs> yeah, no, we welcome babies here. When, if yeah, I, I figured the I figure a cat cameo is always welcome among the readers, writers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So it's like, well, how do you like, how do you like deal with like having to, uh, write such intricate um, details into your story without it being like info dumpy like because some because it's so it's so tempting to do that when it is because you just want to get from point a to point b as a writer so how do you right. like intersperse that information without it you know being just an entire page of info yeah there's a couple ways that i do it one of the ways like with poison study you know she's learning how she has to she's going to be the next food taster for a military dictator so she needs to learn how to actually taste food and that's a real thing because yeah. there are food tasters out there not just for poisons but that work in the food industry because you know if your snickers bar comes out and it tastes different than the last time you bought a snickers bar you're not going to be happy mm -hmm. so there's there's tasters out there that and then they're also they're developing new stuff so in order to get that information across i have you know her learning about that you know with another character so that kind of makes it interesting not only is she learning but the readers are learning along with her yeah. and hopefully making it interested enough that you, you get to know a little bit about our character a little bit about our background a little bit about the world as you're going along right so that's one of the things i do another way is that you don't tell the readers anything that's not important so as your character moves through this world that's what you're going to show like the, the whole glass blowing uh, in, information about the glass that went into the glass books was that they needed uh, a way to trap, you know, like these souls in 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 some form of of container. But that, you know, so so that learning about the glass blowing and how that works and how the one character Opal how she adds magic inside these glass, mm -hmm. you know, and and so by that I am showing the reader like how glass is blown, how glass is made into the different shapes and i've had so many readers who are so excited because they'll go to a glass factory on a tour and they'll be like i already knew <laughs> i was saying oh yeah that's that's a pontal iron and that's a gaffer's bench and that's the annealing oven and they're like that's so fun. happy they are so happy and they're like i impressed all my friends <laughs> that's so cool. i love that and you know and i also i went and learned how to blow glass and mm. and work with glass and that was a lot of fun that i really must enjoyed have been. it i was. love that you I, do I, that i know i would love to have my own little glass studio but my goodness you know the mm. equipment that you need for mm. something like that is like unbelievable so the so bellow alone but, is I, I feel like the furnace and the bellow alone Oh, yes. Yes. Well, it has to be super hot. It's like 2100 degrees Fahrenheit just to get that glass to melt. Mm -hmm. And you open up the kiln door and the cauldron that's full of melted grass. It's like bright orange. It's like somebody oh, wow. took a piece, a piece of the sun and just shoved it in there. So you're like, whoa. You know, and it's like, do I still have eyebrows? <laughs> I imagine they were gone. But no, I didn't. I think I, I burnt off a few knuckle hairs, but not. <laughs> you know that I'm fascinated by that because I like when when they show glass blowing on the TV. I watch because it's so mesmerizing when they it do is. it because it doesn't because you know it's glass, but they're able to manipulate it in such a way that it becomes these intricate things. But mm -hmm. it would be dangerous for me because I would want to touch that molten glass. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. Not thinking because it's so it's so tactile, and I, I would want to touch it, you know. But of course, in my head, I know it's hot, but I will still touch it, you know. Well, the good news is you would probably only do it once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> heat, oh, you yeah. can see the little heat waves coming off the molten wow. glass, but even when you start working with the glass and you start forming it into a shape it gets pretty hard pretty fast. I mean, it's still glowing orange, but you're you're like trying to move it and it's not moving, it's already hard. Oh, wow. So you have to stick it back in and heat it up <sighs> until it's that bright orange and soft again. So it's patience. You need a lot of patience when, when you blow glass because you gotta keep making it soft. Mm. And, and you only have a limited amount of time once you have it out of the oven to like, out of the Shape kiln it. to actually move it. But you can, wow. even when it's hard, you can still see that those heat waves just emanating off of that and you're like yeah i don't know i've never had any any desire to touch it like it was like oh this is really cool it's, it's just with me really you know because, um, even i did that okay look i you know why i know i i would do that because i did that once with sugar molten mm. sugar ah. I, I knew it was hot but it's like ooh. <laughs> and I went like that, and uh -huh. I was like, and I was about to put it into my mouth, but of course, the pain on my finger was like, yeah, I shouldn't have done this. It was no. Like, I know, I know. I, I, there's a compulsion in me that is very scary. <laughs> you want to touch the hot? <laughs> no, because 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 you don't because I don't know. I think there's like a, something that's scrambled in my brain because because you see it, it's soft. And it's yes. bright, and you just want to touch it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, now we know what to not get, Kate, for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's it's wrong. It's really wrong, and it's 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 one of those things that you know you know you don't think you will ever talk about, but then suddenly glass blowing becomes a topic, and you're like, yeah, you know, the secret of mine is that I would touch frozen any, you know, without any thought to my uh, extremities yeah. and how it would yeah. feel, I, oh, honestly. But really, you know, that it, it's just so fascinating to hear about if these things that you've incorporated into your writing. Yeah, yeah. And, I like the, and the research. Yeah. Yes, I like the fact that you actually go out and research what you're writing about that is not just on the internet and googling and say oh, okay this is the poison you know you actually are going out and learning about what you're writing and it's pretty cool i yeah i do try because i i find when i do that i, I there's little things that i'm picking up that i wouldn't pick up from a book or from mm -hmm. the internet i mean i certainly do use the internet quite yeah. a bit and books because i like i like the books with the big colored pictures mm -hmm. you know that show you different things because yeah. um I can describe it if I can see it. Yeah. But there's like little things like with the, the glass blowing, like, you know, like all I said, the heat would just that, you know, I can tell you it was hot, but then, but then actually feel that heat on my face. Yeah. It's a whole different thing. Like I can translate that. And then, you know, the, our instructor, she was really good. You know, she'd get a slug of glass out and she'd hold the iron like parallel to the ground because she said big angles equals big trouble. Because if you tilt it down too much, it's gonna drip, your glass is gonna drip onto the floor. And if you right. hold it up too high, it's gonna drip down on the iron and you're not gonna be able to work with it because you need it to be kind of like hanging off like a lollipop. Okay. And so I would never known that unless, you know, somebody was writing about it or if I happened to hit yeah. the, right, the right kind of video to watch and, and actually back then youtube wasn't quite the yeah. same you know it was more mm -hmm. like funny things like hurting you know sheep and and stuff like that it wasn't like how-to videos which yeah so true the world so <laughs> i am dating myself yeah. but, uh, <laughs> no, i mean i remember when you just you know you didn't have the internet you had to go to the library, library. Research something. Oh, I, still, I still go to the library because <laughs> yeah. i find you know what i find the most helpful research books are juvenile Nonfiction, like nonfiction written for kids, like in in middle school, high school, because they tend to just give like the basic type stuff that you need, and they have big colored pictures oh, or big pictures in black and white. Oh, yeah, because that's a I'm, great hint. That's a good tip. Wow. Yeah, that's a great tip. Yeah, because yeah, you don't, don't even know. Right, I don't need to know everything. Like I was, I want, I included a bat 
in my writing. I wanted to have a bat. I didn't know much about bats. I grew up in the city. And so I just picked up a nonfiction juvenile book about bats and went from there because that just had the information I needed. I didn't need to know the whole mating thing. Or the <laughs> oh, song. it's so true. I love that. That's a great what hint. Does Where, what does it eat? Where does it live? How does it sleep? You know, that's how does it make other bats? Okay, we're good. That's all I needed. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and, and that wouldn't make your writing overcomplicated. No. Because sometimes if you go to the more, the heavier stuff, the heavier, mm. like for bats, if you went for the more heavier explanations, that can bleed into your writing. And then, well, because you think that's so cool, yeah. and you know something that they won't know, so you kind of say like, "Oh, you know yeah. what? I'll just slip that right in." But it makes it look stupid. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and then two hours later, you're down the rabbit hole on something completely different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. And when you're writing, you know, the information about this bat is you just need to know like when it's going to show up and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Unless it's something that you're going to use later that's mm. important that mm. you might want to put put that information in. But it's all through the character. You know, yes. this is something that she needs to know at this time, or this is the reason she's doing this because of this particular worldview or law, then mm. that's when you tell the readers. Mm. But okay. if it doesn't have anything to do with what's going on on the page, resist the temptation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you try to look smart, but it doesn't really work. Yeah. <laughs> no, but make sure you're going to have something realistic, like a horse mm -hmm. on your page, that you get all those details right, because there are a lot of people out there that know a lot about horses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very true. Wrong, you true. get those emails saying, uh, you got that wrong. And then your readers are like, well, they can't, if she can't even know that a horse doesn't do this, then, then maybe what she's talking about the glass blowing, maybe she doesn't know anything about glass blowing either. So you lose, you lose your reader's um, faith. Yeah. 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 So, and, it, and science fiction people are very sticklers for the real science behind it. So yeah, 100% agree with you. That's a good thing about fantasy, because then when you create your own world, you make your own rules, right? So. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, with fantasy is you do create your own rules, but you have to stick to your own rules. That's true. <laughs> you can't all of a sudden, you know, get get to book five and decide, oh, well, she, she, she has no power with fire, but I, I have this fire worker and I need her to be able to suddenly, and then suddenly she can do fire. No, no, no. The readers, <laughs> you know, so page three, that this is this, and then five books later, you switch it. Those readers will know. They'll they remember that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah they, that's why. That's why you know, reader readers are really good for those mm -hmm. who really are familiar with your your novel, the prior novels. Yes. Yeah. So, like, like, how do you how do you choose your beta readers? Well, that's a good question. I I I first started when I was writing Poison Study. I had no idea of writing or anything, and I happened to look at my local my local writing classes and writing like organizations. And I, I found a group of, of people who met once a month as a critique group. Oh. So that was perfect for me because I had two kids at home, two little kids and writing one chapter a month was doable. Oh. And, and it also gave me a goal, like a deadline. Like I have to have this done for my writing group, you know, the third Wednesday of the month, I think we were meeting. And so that was really great. So I was able to get feedback from them on a monthly basis. And I, it was a mix of genres. So I had science fiction people, I had romance, I had mystery. And so I kind of got a nice, a nice mix back oh. from them. But then when I started publishing, they couldn't do a whole novel in a short period of time. You know, they could do a chapter a month, but you know, I only had a, a year to write it. Oh, and that's 12 chapters is only like, you know, a fraction of the book. So, <laughs> yeah, so one of the nice things about being in a CML program was that I got critique partners that were in the program and some of them we got along really well and so they became my beta readers. Oh, nice. So that was really nice. like yeah and then now for like my I keep talking about my chief evil minion because they're an excellent beta reader because they know the books better than I do. <laughs> and so when I write something new in that universe they're like no you wrote this on this page of this book. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. which is really handy to have somebody it like so, yeah. so it's, it's mm -hmm. transformed over the years but yeah usually people that are familiar with my work and who are good at spotting spotting problems 
Oh, oh that's nice. good. That's yeah. wonderful. Yes, I have I have one lady, she became a beta reader of mine because she kept sending me emails after the book was published oh. of all the typos. <gasps> I know. And it's like if I had caught these before. <laughs> now, now she gets the manuscript before I publish it. So she can spot all those typos and I can fix them before we yeah. publish. Very good Love one. that. <laughs> oh that's, no, that's yeah, problem is too late. That's why that's, that's like flipping a problem over. I love yeah. that. Yes, yes. And she's happy because she gets to read the book like you know, six months before everybody else. Everybody else. Very discreet, very discreet, which love um is it. Because you don't want somebody blabbing on the internet about the book. Mm. So that's another thing. But yeah, you know, no, she's thrilled to help out and, and everything. And you no. Know. Great move. <laughs> mm -hmm. People get signed books as, as, as thank you gifts and uh, yeah. other things. That's good. Yeah. It's, it, I got that. That is, that is so wonderful. And thank you so much for sharing so much of your insights. Again, we have been, this episode has surprised us because it's a, a different angle. It, okay. it ad, the advocacy for research is yes, so important. Yes, yes. And it's something that we're glad we were able to discuss today with you because sometimes we forget that. Writing is mm -hmm. also about the research that you do and that mm -hmm. you incorporate and how you incorporate it. Mm -hmm. So thank you for sharing that with us, Maria. Mm -hmm. So we're going to segue now into Christy's questions. Uh -oh. Christy, take it away. Uh -oh. Sure. Nothing to worry about. These are really easy, top of your head questions, whatever first comes to your mind. And <laughs> that could be dangerous. Just, it, oh, it's so fun. You'll feel, uh, the number one question is, who is someone, and this can be real or fictional, that you would love to meet? Ah, real or fictional? Oh, that's a good question. Who would I love to meet? Somebody asked me that, was it recently? And it, it was an author oh. that I would love to meet because I, I love the the books so much um, and would love to talk about the books now. But of course, that just went right out yeah, of my mouth. Oh, good. Just knowing that you would like to meet an author says a lot about you. So <laughs> I'm okay with that. Um, yes. Uh, what was the books? Well, Gail, Gail Carragher would definitely be one of the authors I would love to meet. I love her books. And she has such a great sense of humor. I think we would just laugh the entire time. I like that. She is one, definitely. And yes, anybody, I think it would be another, a fellow author whose work I really, really appreciate. And like I said, that one author's name just went right on my head. I'll think of it. <laughs> yes. And you can even put it in the comments. Oh, put it in the comments. Yeah. Yes. Um, number two is on a night out with friends. Are you the first to go home or the last one to leave? I'm the last one to leave. Oh, oh I like that. Oh, <laughs> Good yes. for you. I'm a night owl for sure. I write at night. So yeah, everybody's going, oh, you know, we have to go to bed and have to get up early. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm here till the end. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. That's when the fun starts. Yep. Um, number three, would you rather have a mountain vacation or a beach vacation? I want both. I love <laughs> if you had to pick one though uh, oh I think then the beach would be okay. is a little bit more of Relax. a love yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely a relaxing kind of thing yeah number four is what is your favorite ice cream flavor uh chocolate mint chip Mm. that's a good one i like that um number five is do you listen to music while you write i do i do i listen to music uh it's usually pop music that i've heard like a million times so i don't really have to pay attention to the lyrics but it just gives me some background noise yeah. to have because otherwise it's just too quiet in my office Oh. very cool see I'm the opposite if I know the song then I keep singing the lyrics and then I tend to type the lyrics so I have to listen to a song I've never heard before uh number six um would you rather look into a telescope or a microscope uh telescope definitely very nice what's your favorite beverage on a cold day oh hot tea very British. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm a big tea drinker. I enjoy drinking tea. So nice. like, I now have my, there's my mug back here. And nice. also I, I, this is a warmer. So oh, it keeps it warm. oh I like nice. Either really, really hot 
or cult, not You're lukewarm. You're very equipped. I like that. Yeah, very I nice. didn't even know they had those. <laughs> <laughs> Number eight, do you believe in love at first sight? No, I no. do not. Okay. <laughs> Number nine, if you could have one of life's mysteries answered, which one would it be? Ooh, life's mysteries. Well, I think I would like them to be able to figure out the whole um, cancer situation and like the, the why they're forming and how to fix it and stop yeah. it. Yeah, that, I think that that's a very good one. one. Uh -huh. I like yeah. that one. Mm -hmm. Okay, and the last question, which is always the hardest and meanest of all the questions. Which TV game show do you think you could win? Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune, or The Price is Right? Jeopardy. Mm -hmm. uh, I, Jeopardy. Ah, nice. <laughs> uh, because I like trivia. We do, we have a trivia team. We, we were going out like every, every week there. Well, before the pandemic, we were going out every week. And now we just found a new place because our old place didn't pick up the trivia again. Oh. So we, we like to do trivia. So I think with Jeopardy, I don't know if I'd win, but at oh. least I could. <laughs> Very cool. I was hoping you would say Jeopardy. <laughs> Thank you so you know, much for answering those. <laughs> Well, you know, with all the research I do, I have a lot of knowledge and a lot of <laughs> yeah. like, I'm not an expert in anything, but I can I dabble, so I can I can have a conversation about multiple topics. So wonderful, the jack of all trades, expert. Uh, what, what what's that? Uh, jack of master all of trades, none. Master, master of none. Writing, I think I think I've well, I'm still learning stuff with writing, mm. but. I would I would say that I'm probably an expert or you know yes <laughs> yeah like uh, expert level already like if it were like a video game you're already like at that right, right. At there's that always level. room yeah there's always room to learn more and you know if I'm teaching a subject because I do teach at the Seton Hill uh, University that MFA program I'm one of the faculty members and so sometimes when I'm delving into a subject that I'm teaching I, I'm actually learning things too Nice. And I would say to my students, like, if you have something, information, or you know something about a good website, just please let us know. You know, yeah. So share. It's like share, yeah, share. community, share. And then <laughs> just before before we let you go and before we we go into, I just wanted to ask because I teach creative writing as well. Like, so have you in your students? Have you seen students that have talent that just blew you away? Yes. Yeah, there's been a couple students who who I'm like, yeah, these books should be published. Oh, now, wow. whether or not they get published is a whole different thing. Yeah, but yeah. They're, it's they're, true. Yeah. Yes, they're, they're, some of them are very high quality and they, they should be published. Oh, uh, and others are still new. They're starting out. I had one one young lady who was so sweet and, you know, it was just, but she had no life experience. Mm -hmm. She went right from undergraduate to graduate level and with writing, you know, it was like just when well, you go out and live, go live for yeah. five, six years, yeah. and then and then get back to writing because because she didn't really have any kind of life experience, mm -hmm. so things like that. Oh. See, very yeah. important thing to note, dear readers and uh, dear listeners and dear viewers, is go and live. It's <laughs> not just about it's not just about being in front of your computer and writing. It's just go out and experience something, and you never know. The inspiration might come back to you and it informs the writing as well. Mm -hmm. So Mar Maria, where can they find you and what are you working on now? Okay, well, you can find me. I have my website is mariavsnyder.com. I'm also on Instagram as Maria V. Snyder Writes and Facebook. Uh, you can find me on Facebook as well. Mm -hmm. I try and limit how many social media outlets I'm on because I feel like if you're spread too thin, you can't really do it. I'm very active on those three platforms. I'm gonna go up. <laughs> I didn't hear you. There you go. And um, as for what I'm working on, I'm working on poison study from Valak's point of view. Oh, that would be very different. That that would that I feel like from that point of view that I now I'm excited. Oh my god! Book's <laughs> <laughs> title is "Study of Poisons." So I'll nice. play out a little bit, and it's coming out in April. Oh. Sometime. 
go pre-order if it's already out for pre-order please make sure to pre-order that book listeners viewers you know what like i said any of maria's books you will not be disappointed based on just the discussion today you will see the type of passion and the type of research she puts into each and everything that she writes and it shows when you read her books you learn something new it's not only just about the thrill and the the enter very entertaining books but very informative as well so thank you so much for joining us today maria we we are just floored that you are here with us today. I'm oh, floored. Thank, thank you so much. Oh, this oh, is coming. Thank you. Let me grab a cat. Oh, oh, So, dear listener, dear dear viewer, if you have a shelf book, please, you know, you can email it to us. We would love to read it here on the podcast at shelf books, shelf books podcast at gmail.com we would love to share here as well and if you have answers to christy's questions please leave them in the comments down below we would love to know what your answers to her speed round questions are as well and if you haven't subscribed yet please do so and give us a like and if you are a listener you know if you can leave us a five-star review wherever it is applicable <laughs> that would also help us find more read find more readers find more viewers and listeners so that we can help more aspiring writers out there and give them some inspiration the way we get inspiration from each and every guest that comes on this podcast yes. and uh be sure to tune in again next week because we have another wonderful guest for all of you and we cannot wait to share <laughs> who that is once again so again, thank you for joining us. We are your hosts, Kate Evangelista, Angie Sandro, and Christy Berman. And remember, keep on writing. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. And that was another episode of the Shelved Books Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Until the next one, stay safe, read more, write more, and continue to be at your creative best. The world is waiting. So are we.